You're listening to Yoma's Cooking Cast, a podcast dedicated to teaching home cooks how to improve their skills in the kitchen and share a mutual appreciation for food. Welcome to Yoma's Cooking Cast. I'm James Yoma. And I'm still Andre Fernandez. (laughs) Well, hey, thanks everybody. All both of you who listen sent in some questions for a Q&A. Plus the wonderful people on Instagram who answered our poll question and gave us some topics or Q&As that they want to go over today. So I'm not even going to pretend like I know the answers. We're going to let James answer these and I'm just going to read stuff to you because my voice sounds silky smooth. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, hey, let's start with an email because the emails we got are awesome. (laughs) they're so ridiculous that they make me happy and i appreciate that so the first email we got mr yoma for a question for you is from our good friend uh matthew present matt's question is great i'm just gonna read this whole email because it makes me so happy james and dre what's up guys so i was listening to your podcast while stuck in thanksgiving traffic on my way home from spending a few days in my parents house and thought it would be fun for you guys to give stories of the best thing you ever ate at home and why is it a success and the worst thing you've ever cooked at home and why it's a complete f-ing train wreck and what could you have done different or done better to avoid having thrown it straight into the trash just for clarity's sake man even if it's bad we both usually still eat it i don't think i've thrown away food unless it's like actually bad or from a crisp or rotted or something yeah and i'll, I'll even eat it if it's burnt i just won't eat it if it's a uh, like food unsafe. So if right. it's moldy, I won't eat it. Or if yeah. I can't cut around the mold. Right. All right. And here's a follow up to that question. Also, I live alone and most days I'm a lazy fat piece of <laughs> or to grab some takeout versus cooking at home, which is not ideal. I typically do not want to cook much unless it's grilling or something that I can cook in a multiple day portion and not get bored of what I'm having for a few days in a row. I'm not a complete psychopath who's happy eating chicken breasts and steamed broccoli day after day after day. I kind of am. So I was wondering if you guys have any tips or tricks on reheating leftover foods and not ruining them or adding life to leftovers to prevent taste bud fatigue. This email is awesome. I I love these questions. Yeah, this is great. Actually, that's pretty exciting. I'm excited to answer that part. Well, let's let's, let's start at the top though. Yeah, for sure. So I would say, right. What's, what's the best thing that you made at home and why was this a success? Well, that's a that's a tough one. So there's we cook a lot here at home, and a lot of things are really, really, really good. So the things that are probably the worst thing I ever cooked stands out way more than the best thing I've ever cooked here. <laughs> at home, I guess the, the, if it were to be something that stands out, I did when I lived up in Illinois. I used to do multi-course dinners um, and have some friends over, like maybe six or seven or eight friends, and we would do. It was like eight courses. Um, and I, at one point I was able to take this idea on the road to Michigan, which was really cool. I did it for uh, a friend's parents anniversary. That's been probably the best thing I've ever cooked because I put a ton of thought into building a menu and building a creative aspect of it, like how to make it look cool, how to be interactive with your food versus just like three things on your plate, you know, start to veg in a protein and then you know, eat it like your normal meal so that was almost almost theatrical in a way that was kind of i think the best thing i've ever cooked at home it I'm- ranges from tons of stuff so everything's from scratch like if i'm gonna make a dough i'm gonna make it from scratch uh there was one dish i did it was a winter dish it was a uh, beet cured salmon 
with a um, citrus slaw and um, the toasted uh, multigrain bread. And you basically, oh, and I, I made beet glass, which is you take beet juice, you thicken it with pectin that comes from like apples and berries, and then you dry it out. So it's almost like it cracks when you bend it. And then you, that was like a garnish for you. You can almost see through it too. So it was really cool. It's pretty um, fancy. But there was a lot of elements to this, obviously the preparation part of it. And then there was like the citrus and the, the salmon, uh, the fattiness of the salmon and then the earthiness of the beets. Um, and it basically you make your own bruschetta with it. Uh, and it was great. I think it evolved from an idea to the plate. Fantastic. I, that might not be the best, best thing I've ever made, but it's like the one that I think is the most unique. Well, and I think it's, like it stands stuff. out to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The worst thing I've ever made was I made something for my wife and we both ate it and hated it. It was awful. It was pumpkin raviolis with a pomegranate glaze and it or like a pomegranate reduction. And it was the grossest combination of food. Mm-hmm. And it was like broccoli or I think I had some broccoli on there. And, and um, and we yeah, both I figured that would be good. You know, you get right. like the, you get, it's it's almost like a jelly type flavor from pomegranate pomegranate sweet man you know and pumpkin savory and well that's the issue is that it was like sweet and then there was not enough i don't know what it was the, the pomegranate destroyed the plate it was really? awful it, like i when i look back at it i go i should have done like a spicy brown butter sauce or i should have done like a cream sauce or it should have not been sweet anything but sweet and we ate it and we just looked at each other and I, and she didn't say anything. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's like, oh, hey, this is okay. And I was like, no, 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 this is not okay. She's like, this is not okay. I'm like, right. At least you're both in alignment on it. Yeah, like we that both knew first bite in like, mm. <laughs> it's a lot of work for, for crap. And so I would say the best thing that I remember making offhand is I had braised some either ribeyes or new york strip steaks or something like that and it was it was really my first time getting into braising and trying it but i braised it i had these like steaks that i knew shannon wouldn't eat so i braised them hoping that the braised beef would really like disguise some of the fat content and stuff that she doesn't particularly like and then once it was done i drained out some liquid and i threw it in and broiled so we it got almost like that like vaca frita type texture and this was so goddamn good like I just stood above the stove and just ate it with a fork. Like I just, it almost didn't make it to an actual dish or a plate because I just stood there picking at it going, oh my God, you know, like a total fat guy. And then I'd had a couple of cloves of garlic in there. So every single time I'd hit a, a garlic bite, it would just make it so much better. I mean, it just fantastic. Uh, the worst thing, it's a longer list. <laughs> i mean i screw up a lot of food I, I don't know if there's anything that i'd say is particularly the worst offhand like there's there's nothing that i can think of where i was like oh man that was you know i've absolutely ruined a dish to the point of like i let me phrase that i ruin dishes to the point of almost inedibility often so yeah, it'd probably be like a really bland combination of like a turkey rice and vegetables and then if it really sucks i usually just cover it with mustard or a type of mustard and just power through like mustard makes everything tolerable for the most part how do we help matt bring life to some dishes that he's made because he's not a psychopath like me (laughs) yeah one of the biggest vessels that carry food into great leftovers is rice and i think we talked about this at in our 
um, New Year, New Meals podcast. Yep. Uh, so here's my example. Uh, last weekend, I smoked, slow smoked two full racks of ribs, pork ribs. And, you know, we weren't going to eat all of them in a day or two. So we had what we wanted and then we put the rest in the fridge. Um, and then instead of just having more ribs, we I cleaned the rib meat all off of it. And then I made a pork fried rice, a barbecue pork fried rice uh, with just the stuff I had in the house. So like the frozen peas and carrots and corn vegetable mix uh, that costs like a dollar fifty. You yeah. have rice in your pantry, hopefully cook that off. The barbecue sauce you use for your ribs, use a little bit of that soy sauce. You saute everything together. Um, obviously your vegetables and your meat first, then you throw your rice in, then you throw your sauces in, let it cook out. Um, and then it makes a lot. Like I didn't think it was going to make that much, but I think I made seven cups worth total. And I, Jesus, you know, and that's like three days worth of food. Yeah. Um, or if you, and we have, you know, obviously me and my wife, so we both are going to eat it. Well, so and you can freeze think, it. It yeah, freezes I mean, well for it, the most part. Yeah, exactly. But rice is a great vessel. It doesn't have to be an Asian theme. It could be, you know, Hispanic theme. It could be Mexican theme. It could be whatever you want. Um, at the end of the day, it's what flavors you like and what you have available to you. So, but back to my point, rice is cheap. And it's also a great vessel for versatility in your leftovers. On the other hand, I think we talked a little bit about leftovers with our Thanksgiving meal uh, or our, our holiday cooking episode. Yeah, holiday like cooking. Making, yep. Like make, making sandwiches, making maybe fajitas or tacos, or you could do like loaded nachos if you have a bunch of stuff um, and you have some nachos in-house. But being a little creative with changing the, the vessel of your protein or your vegetables is going to really help not get that taste bud fatigue, which is very common in people who just want to eat the same thing they ate yesterday without changing how they mix it with other items. Do you know what I've been doing, which is really, really lazy, but I always buy tortillas. Like I just always do. It's one of those things that we try and keep in the house as much as often. Yeah, and, we do too. and corn tortillas are really tasty, right? They're, they taste good. They're not very expensive. And they always come in a pack of like, I don't know, 50, you know, I will make like little hood ass flatbreads, you know, and, and maybe um, those are probably the wrong word to use. I guess it'd be a, if they're corn tortillas or what tortas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So I, I'll literally like, that's my, my hack is I'll take those. I'll put whatever, I'll put cheese, literally whatever vegetable I had, if it's green beans or broccoli, I'll cut it up and I'll add like some salsa on top. And like pretty much it works for the most part with almost every protein. Like that's yeah. my hack of stuff. I, and I do that often. You know, if I have hummus, I'll put hummus on it, whatever. Obviously, it's a little better if you're making a flatbread with like a, a flour tortilla. And a big one that we've been doing in the house now has been quesadillas because it's oh, really man, we easy. We make quesadillas all the time. Yeah. I mean, we made it last night. It's, it's just easy to make my son. It's easy for my son to eat it, right? Because you can just cut it in little eight pieces and he likes it. And then we can hide vegetables in it. So it really, I mean, I, I cooked up like a head of broccoli. We added some shredded chicken and cheese and it tasted totally different from the lunch that I had, which was the exact same thing on a plate of rice with, <laughs> with whatever sauce I used yesterday instead. Salsa. I put salsa on it and somehow it was different, you know, yeah. you know, a little dollop of Greek yogurt or something that was good. So. Like in the mornings I have um, eggs almost every morning and they're 99% of the time they're going to be scrambled. And I was like, well, I'm really tired of eating scrambled eggs. So I bought at the store, there's these street, these street taco size corn tortillas are little and they're actually kind of healthier for you because they got a good amount of fiber and they're not like too high in calories at all. Yeah. And I'll make 
tacos, like breakfast tacos out of it with like, you know, hashed potatoes, but something to think about for Matt, if he wants to, if you buy like the red, small, the small red potatoes at the grocery store and boil them to they're about like three quarters of the way done, cool them down the night before, or like, you know, put them in your fridge and, and then in the morning, you know, grate it, put it in a saute pan with a little oil, salt, pepper, and you have easy potato hash. Uh, oh, that's you know, a hash, really good like idea. Hash browns. Yeah, hash browns for your breakfast is so something that we would get out, you know, when you go to a restaurant or you go to a diner, you can have it at home. And it's really, it's a lot easier than people think, uh, but there's a little bit of prep involved. So if you get ahead of the game, you know, that's what we'll, we'll cook off some potatoes and then we'll have like breakfast hash and for the next like day or so um, and run with that. And you can no dice idea. it. You don't have to shred it. You can do whatever you want. I may do that today, actually, because we've, I made a bunch of like, for whatever reason, this uh, this shredded chicken that I've made has been a hit for everybody in the house. I think just because it's so simple and versatile that we can just throw it in most things. And mm-hmm. since that's been a hit, I've just done it two weeks in a row. And I'm almost running out of ideas of what to do with it. Yeah. I was going to make fried rice because that seemed like a really good idea. And I have all the vegetables that you recommended. So hopefully that helps, Matt. And you know, if it doesn't, just send us another email and we'll keep throwing shit your way until it does. So the next question that we have how to make nutrition fun, which I think we touched upon that one a good bit on Allison's episode. Right? Yeah. And I think to Allison's point, which she was really good about bringing home a lot was adding vegetables to your meals and vegetables you like, like, why would you force yourself to eat things you don't like? So if you like broccoli, add more broccoli, you could change how you're making that broccoli. So it's a lot of people might steam it, but you can always roast it. And a trick to roasting your broccoli, uh, believe it or not, is blanching it in uh, boiling water for about 15 seconds really and yeah because it'll it'll cook it and it'll give it good color without burning it a lot of times if you throw raw broccoli into the oven you it gets a little too burnt every That's time some, every yeah, single well, time that i've made i've roasted broccoli it ends up being like torched broccoli florets and then yeah. wonderfully roasted vegetables with it right so, and then if you have like an air fryer, which is basically like a tiny convection oven, it's going to be even more so. And this is something I learned in the industry is we, we you know, we work with convection ovens, so it's going to burn the crap out of your broccoli before it's really done. So blanch it in salted water. You're also going to add some flavor to it, but back to the nutritional fun part, you can add breadcrumbs, you can grill your broccoli. You can, you can change even the spices you use. There's a big trend on ca- like cauliflower with Middle Eastern spices. So if those who don't know what zatar spice is, it's a sumac with ground thyme and sesame seeds. You could buy it or you can make it and then you can add salt to it. Um, but sumac grilled or roasted cauliflower is amazing. Even curry, like roasted cauliflower is fantastic. Something I've been working on and I need to kind of finalize because I'm like halfway there is making, and you're probably going to hate me for saying this, Andre, but making a vegan cauliflower Alfredo sauce vegan yeah so um i got the consistency where i want it to be but but i had cheese in there so i'm like all right let me work this out um so hopefully whenever we do our vegan uh episode we can post that up that's a, that's actually episode uh 2314 <laughs> where we're so far out for vegan recipes that w- we anticipate we'll record that as soon as meat is no longer an available option for people It'll be a lot sooner than that. All right, that's fine. Um, well, and then, I don't mind vegan. I, so I don't mind vegan substitutes, especially for things that I know I can't have. So like for me, the idea of an Alfredo sauce ever again in my life sounds really good. So I, you know, I try it with cauliflower. Yeah. 
So we, when I played with the idea about two years ago when in, in Illinois, we were making a vegan Alfredo sauce, but it was based out of cashews and people have nut allergies and cashews are extremely high in fat. So if you take pureed cashews with almond milk, I mean, your, your fat content's like through the roof. So just, we're looking at, mm, you know, an fat. alternative, something a little healthier. Makes sense. Um, and then nutritionally to make things fun is just keep things changing, find what you like and, you know, run with it. Um, I think, uh, you know, Allison's got great ideas with her Instagram. She's always cooking really interesting things that are nutritionally healthy for you. And they're, they're, they're good to do and real easy to do. So she's somebody who's got a really great perspective on it. So check Actually, her out. I really love her Instagram. So I, I have been having entirely too much fun with it because she's a very, very active poster. And she'll ask questions and she gets feedback from people. And I think that's what makes it great. You know, like she had one the other day that was about oatmeal and said, how do you add, you know, how do you make your oatmeal not so boring? And everybody added in their little perks and stuff. And, you know, after reading that, I'm going, oh, I'm going to try that. I, of course, said uh, Jameson is what makes my oatmeal better, (laughs) which I'm kidding because I don't drink Jameson before five most days. (laughs) But her her website is anewwell.co, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's definitely a great resource that we've had on here. Shout out to Allison that I would recommend checking out. I've, I've really enjoyed looking over her content. So, so the next question on here is how to make the best bread. And I know you and I have talked about this and bread is not your strong suit, but not for yet. right now, I have been kicking so much ass in the bread department. <laughs> when quarantine started, I got a, I got a bag of bread flour and like an easy need recipe for peasant bread. And to say that I sent James a photo of a loaf of bread that I made weekly is an understatement. Like I would, I would make like three or four loaves in a week and I'd send him photos. I'm like, look at this. I'm like, I just put an egg on top and it's amazing. And I'd be like, look at this turkey sandwich. But I've been really enjoying making bread. Um, and you know, it is really simple. I think the biggest problem with making bread in my experience is I was doing it with regular old, um, like all purpose flour and every loaf that I've tried to make with all purpose flour has not turned out nearly as good as using a high gluten bread flour. So I've used King author. I recommend starting with that. I mean, it really does make such a difference in using the right ingredients for things like that, because, you know, every single time I've tried to substitute something that says bread flour with all purpose. And I think, Oh, this will be fine. It ends up being terrible. So just start with a really good flour, you know, and really Google the piss out of stuff and try it. I mean, I've ruined like probably 20 loaves of bread before I found a recipe that I really liked. Yeah. With that practice makes perfect. I mean, we, you're going to not every time, especially with bread, the first time it's not going to work out. And then you you kind of figure out where your issues are and, and fix, try and fix those. And, you know, the next one will be a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. All right. Our next question from Elena. I love that name. It's my grandmother's name is I have a pressure cooker or a pressure, slow rice cooker. My guess is it's like an instant pot. Mm -hmm. And it says, I want to use it more. Do you have some tips or tricks for making the dishes more visually appealing? The meats do not come out with great coloring. So yeah, an idea for that is sear the chicken or sear the meat that you have that you want to put in there ahead of time and get good color on it in a pan and then take it out and put it in the, into that into the pot and let it cook. That way that color stays there and it looks a lot better when it comes out. And it's actually going to add more flavor to it because you're going to get that sear on there. Um, that's a, the biggest part for the visual appealing part of it. But then 
you're going to get that benefit, like I said, of the uh, better flavor as well. So I'm a, I'm a big Instapot user. I like mine very much just because it's simple and I can make something quick with it. And the Instapot has a saute function. So the saute function does not get it super hot, but I have found that it's worked out really well if I cut up whatever the meat is. So if I'm making chicken and I make chicken into like chicken cubes, I'll, you know, literally cube it, roll it in flour, season it, whatever, add a little oil to the pan and brown it. And I will always get better color that way. Granted your saute function on your instant pot will make your house smoke. Like it's a, a Ford F three fifty diesel with a, with the exhaust pipe, like coming out of the truck bed. So just know that ahead of time that your kitchen's going to smoke up real good. All right. I, this one's an email. I have to read it. It's so good, but here the subject says, help me peacock and teach me how to make better pizza at home. This one's also from Matt. Again, I love Matt's emails. Matt's emails make my heart flutter because they're awesome. Matt says, all right, boys, nothing wrong with ordering Domino's and getting a pizza and lava cake for 12 bucks, but it's definitely not really going to win any bonus points on date night. Help me peacock. Teach me how to make pizza at home. I'm not talking Pillsbury can of prepackaged dough, canned tomato sauce sprinkled with bags of, quote, Italian blend cheese. I want to know how to make that dank ass fire, knock your socks off, crispy crust New York style pizza like I used to eat in 2019, son, pre-quarantine. Looking for recipes that I can make in my own gas oven and wow dates with to make a COVID-free safe night at home feel like a sexy night out. Matt, you need to write for like a local newspaper or periodicals or something because every email that we get from you just kills me. I love it. All right. Um. (laughs) (laughs) They're so awesome. I love them. I'm assuming he doesn't live in Florida. Matt does live in Florida. He lives actually in Orlando. So if you want to, if you want to actually go to his house and film a demo, he did, he recently remodeled his kitchen. It's very nice. He sent those photos. That's good. Good. Um, So yes, (laughs) you don't want to get the Pillsbury can of can of uh, prepackaged dough. There are alternatives out there. If you don't want to make your own dough, there's Publix has, they make their own dough and they have like bagged in the bread section. Uh, and I, I've had great success using that as, as something quick that you could proof at home and then roll it out, or you can make your own and we can post a good, I have a good pizza recipe that you can use. You can make it any way you want. And we'll post that up on the, in, in the description. Can I say that but, if you, if you have the ingredients at home and you've got time, make pizza dough. Cause it really isn't hard. And I think no, the more that you do it, you're the, the more often that you do it, you uh, get better at the dough making process and you don't need any fancy tools. Cause that's my big thing is I don't have, um, I don't have a KitchenAid blender. It's just not something I have countertop space for right now. So I will literally make it by hand. So, you know, God invented utensils built onto your body and those tools work just fine for making pizza dough. Yoma's rolling his eyes at me. He did. He did. Yes. So any, anywho, if you're, if you want to always have the ingredients in, in house, then we'll post a, a recipe up and just add them to your weekly uh, grocery store to run. Uh, yeast is going to be one of them. So keep that in mind. So I'm assuming Matt has a pizza stone or wants a pizza stone. Cause you're going to probably need a pizza stone for, to get a nice crust and a nice. Yes. Stone. So he, he also sent, he has a, a cast iron, like 
it's, it's not a, even a skillet pan. It's like a full on like pizza stone. It's like a 14 inch is my guess, mm-hmm. which it would work, right? A cast iron one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got something thin and it's wide enough and you get your dough, you have to roll your dough thin enough for that thin crust pizza because you don't want it to rise too much. Um, and then find a good sauce or make your own sauce. We can post, I can post a, a sauce recipe on here that we were using back in the day. Yeah, I think it would be a good one because I, you know, I, I'm personally think probably the biggest difference in taste of pizza is sauce. I think sauce is what kind of makes or breaks a pie, right? If it's too sweet, it tastes off. If it's too salty, it tastes off. And that tends to be my problem with pizza dough. So I enjoy making pizza very much, but I would say my pizza skills are like a seven at best. Like it's, I'm not going to be a pizza maker anytime soon. And the issue that I have is I can never get the dough rolled out enough to make a real thin New York style pizza. Also, I don't have a pizza stone. So that ends up being a problem is that the cook process is never, you know, the bottom's never crispy enough. And, you know, yeah. it ends up being okay. Like my wife eats it and she doesn't complain. So Yeah. And then your temperature in your oven, it's got to be really high for that yeah. because otherwise you're just going to, it's going to slow bake. So but you want that color in that the bottom of that to get kind of uh, hard and cooked out but if you're making your marinara sauce or your sauce that you want to do your tomato sauce san marzano tomatoes are the way to go like don't skimp on the price just get the canned the canned peeled ones or the crushed ones there are the probably the best uh, tomatoes you can get they're from italy so those are the only ones i use for pizza sauce it's funny the other day shannon went to make something and it called for canned diced tomatoes so she grabs this can and, you know, I'm, I'm like, I didn't even know we had any left because had I known, I probably wouldn't, would have made us a pizza the last week. And, uh, and she pulls this can out and goes, oh, you know, I'm like, where'd you get that from? She goes, oh, it's in the, the pantry. I'm like, oh, okay. And as she's prepping all of her ingredients, I slowly like took the can away and put it down <laughs> back in the pantry and like went and grabbed like two cans of diced tomatoes and put it in place. And she's like, I'm guessing you want me to use those instead. I'm like, yeah, yeah this, this would probably be a better option. Because I know that if I used canned diced tomatoes, I'm not going to get the same taste and flavor profile in a sauce as I would with the San Marzano's. Exactly. So quality ingredients is, is a key thing for, for pizza, especially pizza at home. So uh, Matt, dig into that pocket for that date night because uh, you might not be buying movie tickets, but you're going to be buying expensive cheese and yeah. you know fresh basil and a couple of things you might need. So with the mozzarella question on that too, because I, I do tend to buy the like bag mozzarella cheese, which I do think the cheese is part of the issue why it's never as good at home. Right. So shouldn't he buy like the little mozzarella ball if you can find it? There's a lot of different mozzarellas out there. So I know that Publix has like an artisanal cheese section. And if there's a whole, if there's mozzarella whole, like a block of it, I wouldn't do the the fresh. If you're going to, if you're looking for shredded, don't get the fresh unless you're going to like pull it by hand. But if there's like a, like a firm block of mozzarella, get that and shred it at, at home. Got it. Um, or get the fresh mozzarella, like if it's the the um, four ounce ovaline. Do the like margarita style, where you like just drop chunks on it and let it melt. <laughs> yeah, and you can like you can do it like that, or you can just pull it and have it like you know pizza shredded cheese. It really depends on what kind of pizza you're looking for, but or you can slice it and do a margarita style. That always works as well. I like that, it's got a deal. I I've got to try that. I need to stop being cheap and just get a decent. Um, decent mozzarella cheese because i think that will change the game really what i need to do is just buy a pizza stone i think that's the biggest factor in my pizza game but 
my neighbors are still in Canada for a little bit, so I may just uh, borrow theirs. And they don't listen to this podcast, so they'll never find out. <laughs> I also don't think they have social media, so that's good too. All right. What is your favorite piece of equipment in your kitchen to use and cook with? Coming back from Illinois, we all, we had gas, everything, gas stove, gas oven. And in Florida, gas stoves are really hard to come by, but we have a gas stove. In this uh, new lucky. House. And that's my favorite piece of, I guess, equipment you could use. Um, we have way more control on, on uh, temperature for the pans. Um, but that also comes with the uh, fire alarm going off a lot more often than I want. <laughs> yeah that happens oh man well, that's awesome i think i mean i have a, i can run a small business out of this with the, all the stuff i have i think i have a lot of uh, a lot of equipment as far as uh, kitchen things going gadgets one of my favorite ones is the um the hand, the hand blender i was about to say my immersion blender since i've yeah. gotten that i got i got an immersion blender at christmas and i have used that thing like every freaking day for everything it's great. I mean, if you need to puree it, something you can. If you need to froth something, same idea. Um, it's it's really um, a fun thing to use and something that if you have, it, will make your life easier. It's very handy. Uh, uh, you get it? Yeah. Because yeah, it's a hand blender. Yeah. Uh huh. It's handy. Uh huh. Yep. I would say my favorite tool in the kitchen is probably my cast iron pan. I haven't used mine in so long. I'm saying that so begrudgingly because it's truly a love-hate relationship with my cast iron pan. It's so much work to maintain. And James keeps saying that it's not. And that is bullshit. It's so it's much not. work. It, it is, is not. It is so much work to keep that thing looking pristine all the time. But you know how you don't you keep it pristine? Don't use it so often. You know, that's... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's just not a good reason. It's like being like, hey, you want to be not fat? Don't eat so much food. Like, no, you're still going to eat a lot of food. That's what happens. And I'm still <laughs> going to use that cast iron pan constantly. I love the thing. I'm Every piece of chicken that I have cooked in a cast iron pan every time has turned out fantastic now. I'm yeah. only buying chicken with skins now, or I'm buying a whole chicken and breaking it down myself because every single freaking piece of chicken comes out amazing in it. I made a, I made gravy with it last week, which I'm pretty sure that is why my cast iron pan looked like it was going to rust after, but I made gravy and it was incredible. Like, I, I feel like this thing has been the best, worst $20 I've ever spent in my entire life. I love it. So good. I mean, I love mine too. I don't know. I haven't used it in probably three weeks, four weeks. Oh, I haven't used mine in like, what is it? Noon. So, uh, an hour. <laughs> no, it's been like 16 hours. I used a, I used a regular, saute pan for breakfast just because of time constraints so i didn't have time to wait and then oil after that's yeah. it's a whole thing I, I just block out time in my schedule to oil my pan every night my dishwasher is also one of my favorite <laughs> things and i say this because most of the last 10 years i didn't have a dishwasher and my god like my mother-in-law mentioned because i run that thing all the time i won't hand wash stuff else i'll like hand rinse it before i put it in but i won't i won't like hand wash things from the sink to dry and she's like you run that thing all the time i'm like mm -hmm. yep yep we do too all the time like two times a day at least i'd probably say we run ours at least once a day that's probably fair 
I think once a, a baby's born, we're gonna be running that thing like five times a day. You have no idea. It's nonstop. You 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 hand wash some stuff there because you're like, oh, I don't want the chemicals. And then after a while, you're like, I'm just gonna wash everything. That's fine. All right, our next question is tips on cooking a whole chicken. You know what? Cooking with Voss, you are in luck because we did an entire episode about it, which I definitely recommend checking out. Uh, it's called The Chicken Came chicken. Second, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. So I definitely recommend checking it out. I know James is going to talk about it now because I'm going to force him, but I definitely recommend checking it out. There's a whole lot of how we talk about whole chickens. That's my favorite way to cook a chicken now. Buy the whole thing. It's less wasteful, tons of ways that you can use it and every little piece of uh, El Pollo. Yeah. And to recap kind of what we talked about in that episode, uh, brining the chicken is going to help because you have different, if you're going to cook the whole thing without breaking it down, brine the chicken just so that you have some even cooking and then some solidity in there so that there's no dry components to it because your breast is going to cook faster than your thighs. But the other idea would be spatchcocking, which will speed up the process of cooking it. And it also gives it an even playing field for all the items, uh, all the muscles and all the parts of that chicken to cook evenly. Um, And I know that's, you know, I think spatchcocking at home is like your best bet, especially if you're like, what am I going to make for dinner? I have this chicken. If you're going to put the whole chicken in like it is, it's going to take 40 minutes to cook. You know, if you spatchcock it, it's going to take like 22, 24 minutes to cook. And it's beautiful. Yeah, and it looks great. You get great color on the whole thing instead of just the top and versus the back of it where it's sitting in the pan. And you don't necessarily have to, but you can put like, you know, chopped up vegetables on your mirror plot under it so it catches all that fat. And you could even use some of that to make a sauce um, either way. But brining is like the biggest tip that I could give and offer to people. And I talk, I think we talk about brining in almost every episode. Yeah, but, um... everything. It's, it's our <laughs> intro. We say, welcome to Yoma's Brining Cast. <laughs> exactly but that's that's a big one and then you know making sure that you got a, a quality item instead of you know don't let it don't cook rotting food don't cook food that smells bad um especially i'm actually brining right now i have chicken thighs brining in yes. in the fridge i can't i can't have chicken any other way anymore because i'm ruined um but it's worth the time spent to brine it really doesn't take very long full disclosure i have never been able to cook a full spatchcock chicken in 25 minutes but it does definitely cook quite a bit faster maybe it's just because my oven sucks and also i have electric and not gas so that's something to keep in mind what do you keep what are you cooking at what temperature um usually like 375 or 400 okay how long does it take you like 30 minutes um somewhere probably between like 35 and 45 minutes most of the time but i honestly don't think you a heck of a lot longer than that oh no for sure it's it's much much faster an hour at least. Yeah. I, I, and again, I think my oven's probably not properly calibrated, but you know what? That's fine. It's just, it's doing its job. I figured out the, the idiosyncrasies of it. So we're going to power through that. Cooking with Voss also wants to know, do we have tips in incorporating fruit into your diet? Yes. So if you have a blender making smoothies, is going to be probably the easiest answer, especially fruits without skin. So like, I mean, unless you can you can blend apples and um, plums and stuff like that. You're going to get a little bit more fiber in there. Uh, but that's what, like probably the easiest, most direct way to get more fruit into your diet is just like instead of having, 
you know, oatmeal, just have like a smoothie that's loaded with whatever you want and some protein and some other items in it. Um, or you can add, you know, fruit and berries to your oatmeal. That's something that you can consider. Some people add fruit to their cereal, which I'm not, I never really did growing up. Um, but that is, I've seen that as an item. Bananas. And then huh? yeah, and for lunch and for like for lunch or dinner, um, I'd like to add fruit in my salads. So I like to add citrus sometimes to my salads, depending on the year, time of year. Um, if blueberries are in season, we'll, I'll put like blueberries in my salad and like have like nuts and seeds to counterbalance like the texture. So that's something to think about too. I had a, a salad at a restaurant in, in Chicago that had pickled grapes. And mm. um, that was delicious because it gave you a sweet and tart flavor into your salad that normally is, you know, leafy greens. Um, so if something, yeah, you can definitely put it into like your salads, you can make compote out of it and put it on your waffles and your pancakes. You can make jams and jellies, same kind of concept as the compote almost. And then, uh, you know, put it into whatever you're doing, your toast and all that stuff. I'm pretty sure that's how my wife won me over was she took home at class in high school and she made a strawberry jam was one of the like things they were making that week. And she must have made, I don't know, like 10 mason jars of strawberry jam. And I ate nine and a half of them. <laughs> it was like the best thing I ever had. In my, I put it on everything. It was so good. I was like that episode of uh, Friends where they were like making chutney or whatever. And Joey was just eating. Like that was basically me. I would also, I mean, the one other thing I would say is like, I, again, I eat a lot of Greek yogurt. I'm a big fan of Greek yogurt just yeah. because it's gets good for your gut. It's high in protein. It tastes good. Um, so long as you don't mind a little tang, but that's what I do to make it more dessert. Like as I'll add a little bit of honey and I add fruit and I'll buy like, like the bag of frozen dole fruit, you know, whatever the mix is, I'll pop in the microwave for 30 seconds and I'll put that on top of the yogurt. And that's nice. Um, another thing is there's a, there's a gentleman named Martin Burkham and he's actually kind of a fitness nut. Uh, he has this thing called lean gains, but he creates a recipe that he calls lean gains fluff. And it's literally protein powder, whey protein powder with milk and some slightly warmed fruit. And he blends it with a hand mixer until it makes almost like a, calls it a fluff, but it's a, uh, what's the right term I'm looking for? Um, it's like a mousse almost. And that has been like the way that I started like accidentally hacking in fruit is that I would just throw this in because if not, it just kind of tastes plain, right? It's not really like anything impressive about it, but the fruit makes it sweet. So it's like my, it's like my dessert when I want to have something sweet and we don't have anything else in the house. And uh, I don't want to feel like a fat piece of shit for just baking an apple pie. Now I want an apple pie. <sighs> Thanks. Thanks for asking questions about fruit. Now we're going to be making compotes and pies all day. This one's from Andy Small. I really like this question. If you could open a restaurant without caring about profit or popularity, what are three things, I'm sorry, what are three things that would be on your menu? That's going to be a hard one because if I could open up a restaurant without caring about profit or pop, pro, popularity, it would be like a 12-seat countertop, chef's multi-course, ever-changing menu. So that's going to be... A really hard one to answer. Well, what would be on heavy rotation? Like there's got to be something that you, what's something that you just enjoy making besides a uh, black garlic salt? 
Well, truffles will definitely, like real truffles shipped in would be on the menu all, all the time as an ingredient. The oh, That's one. Yeah, well, that's these are ingredients that it would definitely be on the menu. Um, how I would incorporate them would have to change like consistently. Black garlic would definitely probably be uh, something that I'd like to do a lot more, which I have to figure out how to convince my wife to make more, to run a, a dehydrator for four weeks again. <laughs> <laughs> You can have a seven thousand dollar electric bill. Well, while you're while you're mulling this over, I know yeah, my yeah. answers already. So oh, I would good, say good for you. Well, of course, because <laughs> there's only like three things I know how to make. So it, one would be black beans. So black beans would just be on the menu all the time. It's it's what I would do. Uh, number two would be pizza, like a New York style pizza, because really it would give me the opportunity to just keep making pizza and perfect it. And probably number three would be. Um, scrambled eggs. It's just something that's easy. It's fast, tastes good. It's kind of hard for me to screw up. So basically I'd have a hodgepodge of a restaurant. Like you can, that would be your, it'd be your three course restaurant. You can show up and either get eggs in the morning, black beans at dinner and pizza in the afternoon. (laughs) There was a restaurant that opened up in the neighborhood I used to live in. And it, you looked at their marketing while they were putting it up the day before they opened it. They had hot dogs, pizza, breakfast late night and like nachos and then they had like steak and like like nice dinners menued on there i was like what is this place i had no idea what that place was going to be serving or what kind of food they had everything. zero vision right just it was yeah whatever. they were just like let's throw let's get every demographic and every group of person throughout the day on this menu board and i was like i don't think this is going to work and I think they were open for maybe a month and a half. Oh, bro. and then they shut down and it opened. And they got changed to place something called Waffles, and that's like all they did was like eclectic waffles. And I think that place is still open. Oh, but, I'm sure it's killing it. You, you know, yeah. there's a place uh, or there's a food truck in town, and it's actually I think run by a church. But they their only shtick is they make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And the first time I thought about that, I'm like, I'm I'm annoyed about paying. 450 for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich but i did because their their concept or idea is with every sandwich that you buy they make a sandwich and feed a homeless person in the city and i was like oh well that's kind of awesome so every single one that you order they keep the ticket and they they rewrite the number so they you know it'll say like 100 you know we fed a hundred homeless people today or something like that is the, the mission. And I was like, ah, damn it. I don't feel angry about buying now. Um, you know, like artisan bread, almond butter, you know, blueberry compote. Like that's such a great idea though. Yeah. Their, their food cost like, has to be so low. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's gotta be really fast from the churn out. They probably have like five, six different kinds of bread, five or six different kinds of peanut butter and different jelly, whatever. And they just make whatever random thing. And, you know, it's, it's a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but it's it's still a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's cool. All right, what'd you think of? We've got truffles. So definitely uh, pasta, like handmade, in-house made pasta and tortellinis oh, and like raviolis and those kinds of things, absolutely. And, and truffles, black garlic would have to be incorporated somehow. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of saffron, uh, you know, and I don't use it enough because it's so damn expensive. So expensive. But saffron is, um, is something that I really enjoy. And it makes everything nice and yellow. Yeah, exactly. 
All right. The question that we have is tender steak, question mark. It's hit or miss at our house. So this obviously can go both ways. I think they're probably asking maybe cut first and then two, how do we prepare said cut to make it not taste like a leathery bag of ass? So filet is going to be probably your most tender steak right out the gate. Yep. Easiest to cook. It's the most expensive one you're going to pay for too. And then if you get a T-bone steak, you're going to get the best of two worlds. You're going to get part of the filet and then you're going to get your New York strip together. But if you want, you know, just this New York strip, that's also a pretty good one. I'm a huge fan of good marbled ribeyes. Oh yeah. Ribeyes, baby. Yeah. Cause mm. those, those guys are pretty tender. Um, as far as, you know, if they're not like chunked in fat, cause that's going to be real chewy and gristly, but if they're marbled well, or uh, more uh, quite even throughout, it's going to be um, freaking delicious. I love ribeyes. I mean, that'll be the thing I always order if I can, if I had a choice. So those are your three that are going to be probably your more on the tender side. And then if you start getting into things like short ribs or anything necessarily uh, like brisket or ribs, you're going to get way tougher cuts. Um, and even with uh, things like flat iron steaks, um, they're a little tougher. They're actually right between like your New York strip and then your, your brisket. You can use a knife and a fork. Um and you can cook them like a steak. But once you start getting into things like brisket or short ribs, you're going to run into an issue of the tenderness. And that's when you're slow cooking and long, long, slow, uh, low cooking is going to take place to break down those proteins and break down that fat and uh, really make it softer and a softer cut of meat. So you mean like braising? Right. Like the braising episode we just put out. Yeah. So. Exactly. Good thing we recommend, check out our trimmings episode in braising, and you'll get some techniques on how to cook those short ribs and your tougher cuts of steak. So how about like a, uh, like a skirt steak or strip steak? I'm sorry, skirt is probably the correct term. Skirt or flank is what I'm thinking about. Uh, so those guys, you're going to have the best way to get those to, to their value of, I call it value of tenderness, meaning how tender they naturally are is how you cut it. So you, you're going to want to cut against the grain with a lot of these uh, pieces of meat, almost all of them. And if you cut with the grain, you're going to get real stringy and real chewy pieces of meat, but your flank steak, once you cook it to where you want it, you cut it against the grain and you can kind of see how, how the muscle strands run. You cut basically perpendicular to that. And um, you'll get a much tender, more easier chew on that bite or those slices. Same thing with brisket um, and anything else that you, that's going to stay whole. If you're looking at short ribs, they're going to kind of shred apart once you serve them, um, especially like on the plate, you kind of just serve them whole. But definitely something that has more muscle like lines in it or more, you can see the strands, you're going to cut it against the grain. Now, to add to this, if you're going to take flank steak and braise flank steak, it's going to shred and then it's going to be soft and, you know, you can make it for ropa vieja um, or whatever you want. And um, you could do the same thing with skirt steak as well. I think that's one of the skirt steaks kind of like the go-to for the ropa vieja. But, um, I hate to say also. this at this point, but if you find that for the premium that people have for skirt and flank steak at this point, you're almost better off spending the extra buck and getting a ribeye in my opinion 
or the extra two or three bucks and getting a filet because the skirt steak and, and strip steak, sorry, geez, skirt and the flank steak in the past couple of years, I think has become increasingly more expensive than it used to be. It used to be like that value cut mm-hmm. and now it's not same with short ribs. Yeah. I think people are finding that flank steak can be quite versatile, especially with, um, cross-cultural cooking so uh, that's why people are really uh using more of it unfortunately now if you had something like like a piece of chuck steak you can do some things to it to make it a little more tender you can get like a mallet that has the textured side and pound it down you know put put plastic over it so you're not like smacking meat everywhere (laughs) but um you know if you mallet down meat you're going to help break down the structure of that muscle a bit. So it's a little more easier to chew, easier to use. But if you're looking for something right out of the package and you want it super tender, you're going to be spending a little bit of money. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to get a, a, a ribeye or, you know, filet uh, or strip. And then, uh, you know, figure out what your family likes or what, who, you know, what they like in the house. All right. What's one food you hate? So my background, my ethnicity is a little, it's funny. So I was born in Puerto Rico. I was raised in the Puerto Rican culture to an extent. And, um, but my heritage, like my background, you know, beyond that, I'm Lebanese and Polish and I hate olives. What the f***? Yeah. So I don't, I really, like, I don't like olives and that's one of like the, staples of are you talking Lebanese black food. olives green olives any, or just um, any olives? just any oh olives my God. like the fastest way to ruin a sub is putting olives on it to, in my opinion yep i just don't the briny salty it's way it overpowered for me it overpowers anything you put in it however when we were in italy last year pre-corona we had these table olives at some restaurant and in italy they give you tons of food if you order drinks it's great they'll give you like chips you know they'll give you olives they'll give you anything salty you can have so you can drink more obviously they gave us these olives and there's these big green olives and i'm looking at them and i'm like i'm gonna try these like i think i'm gonna try these because we're here they're you know they're from here and i tried it and i they were awesome they were delicious but i don't know what olives those were I, I love olives. I can't them. find them. I'm it, they're such a staple in, in Cuban cooking. I mean they're in like everything. What were yeah. they um manzadillo olives? I'm saying that wrong. They're they're green olives with pimentos, basically is what they are. I I will just stand in front of my fridge, like with no shirt on, eating olives from a jar at 3 a.m. Like that's how much I love olives. They're so good. Now for foods that Manzanilla, thank you. Okay. Now, for food that I hate, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna preface this with I'm a huge seafood fan. I love seafood. I think it's very underrated. It's I realize a lot of seafood places, but I I like I could truly eat seafood every single day. Like I could survive castaway style. I think for the most part, probably for a few years without getting bored. I cannot stand the taste of sea bass. Really, can't the taste it, of it, not the texture. It's both. Okay. There's there's something about the oiliness to it, and I like I don't mind oily food. I just I don't texturally and taste. I can't get past it. I've tried it every couple of years. I try it. I've had 
very professional chefs like who are like, oh no, I can make it. You'll love it. And I've yeah. still tried it, not enjoyed it. It's so expensive. Which is also another thing I hate because I, I hate that I'm going to pay, you know, pay 20 bucks a pound for sea bass. And I make it and I'm like, oh, well, that's terrible. And then I pitch it and I'm really <laughs> upset. And on a, that's probably the one thing that I can't eat. And okay. Shannon likes it. I, I just can't, mm, can't do sea bass or uh, oysters and only raw oysters. I'll eat cooked oysters. Raw oysters are just not my, like they're fine. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's not my thing. Yeah, I wouldn't order raw oysters, but if somebody at the table ordered for the table, I'd eat one. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd still probably eat one, but it's, but again, for me, it's like science. Like every now and then I'm like, oh, I don't know if I still don't like this. And then I try it and then I go, yeah, I still don't like it. Yeah. My, my olive um, disdain came from when I was a kid in Puerto Rico, I was, we would be at like the daycare or whatever. And my mom would pack a lunch and it was like tuna salad or something sandwich and it had an olive in it and i remember looking at it and biting it and i was like this is disgusting and I, had to, <laughs> I had to spit it out so then from like that point on i had to open the sandwich and pick out if there was an olive or like a piece of that olive the manzanillo olive in there because we use the same same one um and i don't know if, if it was made or if it was bought like i'm sure it was bought and because it's, it's like mixed in there but that's the the memory I have of it. And it's always in my, always in the front of my mind when I think of olives. But if I can find that olive that I had in Italy um, and I bought something a few months ago that looked just like it and it did, it was not it. I was like, this is disgusting. Just call them. Call the yeah. restaurant and be like, excuse <laughs> And then yeah. Yeah. see what happens. That's going to be an expensive phone call. It is going to be expensive phone and call. And they're going to be like, hello, I don't understand. <laughs> In Italian, not even in English, and they're just gonna hang up. We're gonna set up a um, uh, Patreon account. So if you guys want to contribute for James's phone call to Italy to find out what kind of olives these are, or so he can purchase a goose egg. <laughs> Is it a goose oh. egg or an ostrich egg? It was a goose egg. Goose egg. We're ostrich egg, yeah. we're still taking donations for him to get a goose egg, so we can <laughs> we can make a video of that and post it on our Instagram page of James maybe getting sick from a goose egg with my luck if i ended up calling the restaurant it would be me butchering the translation of excuse me i I had a great olive at your restaurant i'd like to know the name of it too like speak english and tell me the olive name now that's (laughs) that's my luck with translations i miss i'll miss a word or something and it'll change the entire meaning and the entire delivery without that intention uh, unfortunately it's it's your tone your tone's all wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's very aggressive (laughs) all right we got two more one of them i think is shorter so we'll start with that how did you guys meet so i actually vividly remember this day so it was uh i don't i don't remember how i met you so it was you've never left my life so i I just (laughs) so it was uh it was september 3rd um 1992 it was actually on a uh i saw him across the plate i have no clue how we met i have like Not even you a little bit. I was like, what? <laughs> no, That's dude. a specific time. Dude, I can't remember what I ate like 45 minutes ago. I have no <laughs> idea how we met. I, I would say probably, you know, I mean, it was, it was an elementary school. So who did you have for second grade? Um, did Ms. you have McCormick? No. Um, it's Einzel, something like that. Einzel, Einzel. What about third? I had Miss Dilks. 
No. And then fourth was Miss Friend. I had Dr. LaBush in fourth. Dr. LaBush. I mean, we had to have teacher. Crap. I can't remember now. And you didn't have Miss Whitehead, did you? In first grade? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I had Miss Hill in first grade. My my guess is. And I had Miss Leg. Miss Leg. My my guess is we probably met somewhere on a playground or a science class pre-1993, if I were to put money on it. Because science classes were integrated. I remember that. Like you would yeah. you would randomly have like your science and art class would be like two classrooms mixed together. Was it reading like that too? I think so. But there were a few classes that, they, that that's how they integrated them. We had like integrated playground time, integrated science, um, computer lab, and art or something like that. So I, my, if I were a betting man, I'd say it was probably amongst one of those times or it was both me and James being picked last for kickball in recess because neither of us were fast back then. <laughs> I'm not fast right now. <laughs> That's true. We were, um, how do you say, uh, we, we were bench warmers back then. Is that a nice array of calling a kid fat? I guess. I mean... I play baseball and I could hit the I could hit a ball. I, I play baseball too. I was really bad. I, I remember the first I time terrible. I played. Oh, Absolutely so bad. Terrible. And I was on a team with like like Jerry Morgan, who's like oh, yeah. you know Jerry Morgan and like Jason Hooks. Like I'm I'm on the team with like all stars. And you know, my first year of playing baseball, uh, I remember the coach coming up to my parents and saying, Hey, you maybe want to buy him a musical instrument or something? Because I don't think this is his thing. <laughs> Get him off the field. Yeah, they're like, Have you ever considered a piano? Yeah, Miss Elsley was my second grade teacher. Oh, yeah. That's then it, it had to have been my guess is to long answer. Sorry, short answer to that extremely long rant. Probably somewhere amongst a mixed art or science or computer lab class. Yeah, or maybe on the play on the playground. On the playground. Just ripping it up. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Thanks everybody for listening. That's the QA. We encourage you guys to send us. Uh, emails and questions and concerns you have about uh, things you want to know and we'll do our best to answer them in the next q a uh, but keep them coming yeah you can email us questions at yomos at gmail.com you can follow us on instagram at yomos cooking cast we i think that's it that's all we have from a, a communication standpoint just send us stuff in one of those two ways and then we'll get it but you know send us an email if you like us if you hate us you know you have suggestions something you want to hear about, send it to us. We'll do our best to cover it. You know, make sure you guys subscribe. If you are not already subscribed, we are in pretty much every single store for podcasts. Subscribe, follow, listen, give us a review if you like us. We appreciate all that stuff. And thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. This is the one time a, a chuck steak is the one time that your mother will approve of you beating your meat in the kitchen. <laughs> in the kitchen? <laughs> I was holding that one in for a minute. <laughs> oh, God.